0: You're listening to Bede, History for the Church, a conversation with Drs. Michael A.G. Haken and Mike Pullman. Dr. Haken serves as the Chair and Professor of Church History at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he is on the core faculty of Heritage Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. Dr. Pullman is Associate Professor of Practical Theology and the Chair of the Department of the Ministry and Proclamation at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the author of Broadcasting the Faith, Radio and Theology in America, 1920-1950. to Join us now as we seek to see what God has done in the history of his people.
1: The Democratization of American Christianity by Nathan Hatch is one of the most important books in the last 50 years for understanding American Christianity. Hatch argues, quote, The wave of popular religious movements that broke upon the United States in the half-century after independence did more to Christianize American society than anything before or since. With the American Revolution, there was an expansion of a people who considered themselves capable of thinking for themselves about issues of freedom, equality, sovereignty, and representation. Furthermore, the revolution helped cause an erosion of respect for authority, tradition, station, and education. Now, considering some of the massive religious movements during the period 1776 to 1850, like the Black Church, Methodists, and Baptists, Hatch makes this very important observation. He says, quote, By appealing to abstract principles, such as the Bible alone and the ancient order of things, Christian churches were constructing roofs over their heads, But they lacked the ecclesiastical walls of liturgy, governance, theology, and instruction that are normative in a given church tradition. The crisis of authority, first kindled in popular culture, rapidly engulfed all of American Protestantism. A profound insight, I think. Now in the Baptist tradition, one leader during this time stands out above the rest, John Leland. Perhaps most well-known for presenting to President Thomas Jefferson in 1802 a 1,200-pound mammoth cheese bearing the motto, Rebellion to Tyrants is Obedience to God, Leland was also staunchly opposed to anything that would interfere with one's freedom of conscience in all matters religious. Hatch explains, quote, Leland ridiculed the mercenary foundation of foreign and domestic missions, the mechanical operations of theological seminaries, the tyranny of formal structures, and the burden of creedalism, this burden he called, quote, this Virgin Mary between the souls of men and the scriptures. Well, the democratic impulses Leland embodied, the religious populism he embraced and propagated along with many others, have contributed to, in no small way to a theologically thin, liturgically light, and spiritually weak Christianity in America. Now, closer to home, some might say that evangelicalism in America is in desperate need of renewal. Well, if democratization is what got us here, what is the way out? What is the way toward renewal? In other words, how will we see a theologically robust, liturgically rich, spiritually powerful church in our day? Important questions that we want to take up in this episode of Bede. Now, to help us consider this need for renewal and the way forward, we've enlisted Lucas Stamps to join us. Dr. Stamps is Associate Professor of Theology at Anderson University and one of the founders of the Center for Baptist Renewal. Well, Luke, welcome to Bede. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, this is an important episode, as I think you and I both share. And again, I want to send my regrets from Dr. Hake and Michael is traveling, as as you know, so he can't be with us. So that's my only regret on having uh, you on the program, that we don't have him with us, but a future episode, I, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I want to ask you about the Center for Baptist Renewal, because we both share this burden uh, to see renewal in our day. But what are some of the things that uh, led you to believe there should be a center for Baptist renewal? Uh, tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, so... <clears throat> We um we try to clarify um on our about page at our website that we we don't really mean it necessarily as a, a kind of judgment on the Baptist movement as a whole. I mean I think that there are uh, many stories of spiritual vitality and health that we could tell um, in the Baptist world. Um, you know especially as, as we're more most familiar with our own Southern Baptist context, a lot of positive signs of health and growth, and, um, and theological education, and uh, and so on. Right, so so it's not it's not as if the Baptist movement is sort of dying and in the need of our help to perform some kind of CPR on it. So that's that's not what we mean to communicate with renewal. But of course, as Protestants, we uh, do believe in the ongoing Reformation of the church. We're always seeking more light from the Word, uh, more uh, and greater faithfulness to what God has called us to. And every generation sort of faces those same questions of fidelity to scripture and how we best apply it to the needs of our own day. Um, Always reforming, right? Always reforming. Exactly right. And so the, the, the project really um, emerges in the context of friendship. Uh, So my, my friendship with uh, Matt Emerson, who's one of the other founders uh, and then Brandon Smith and Winston Hotman, a couple other, of the founders uh, who were at Criswell College together. Matt and I were at California Baptist University together. Uh, but th- those those pairs of friendships um, sort of coalesced around um, an interest in uh, church history, uh, in historical theology, and historical uh, worship practices, and historical spirituality, as a way of, of sort of resourcing Contemporary Baptist uh, life, uh, so just sort of recognizing that there are treasures in our own Baptist tradition, and uh, back behind uh, our Baptist tradition and the Protestant and Little C Catholic tradition. We could talk about what that word means. I know that's kind of a um, you know a, we have to carefully define what we mean by by Catholic, but uh, you know that in, in the broader Christian tradition, we we have really an embarrassment of riches that I think are often to sort of tucked away in treasure chests that have been unopened. And so uh, we see in in the tradition in our own Baptist tradition and in the broader Christian tradition, ways of interpreting scripture and synthesizing scripture and applying scripture uh, to faith and life and worship and prayer uh, that are rich resources for contemporary Baptist faith and practice. So that's kind of how it started. It was an attempt to say, uh, let's let's tap into these resources.
1: I love this, Luke. And it is very much in, in the stream of the, the great reform tradition, always reforming. And so uh, like we were saying, there, it's not as if there aren't some renewal movements going on or as if to say the Southern Baptist Convention and then Baptists generally are just spiritually impoverished so much. And you're coming in with this Kind of savior complex, but you are saying, uh, I think he used the word historic, uh, maybe three, four, five times. Uh, I mean, John Leland wouldn't like the way you're talking, and he wouldn't like the whole idea of of going outside even uh, our Baptist world. You're saying there's treasures, there's theological, liturgical dare I say, treasures outside the Baptist tradition that you think mm-hmm. we can benefit from? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and of course, we have our own treasures to, to bring as, as well. You know, um, e- Each of the traditions of the church bring their own gifts to bear, and, and we uh, enrich each other, I think, by our own distinct emphases. Um, Richard Mao, the uh, Reformed theologian, former president of Fuller Seminary, uh, once described the, the, the denominations, the Protestant denominations as, as sort of equivalent to uh, Catholic holy orders, you know, these distinct, uh, the Franciscans and the Dominicans and, and so on. Of course, we don't have monastic orders in Protestantism, but, um, but in a way, uh, the Methodists and the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Anglicans are, are kind of like those distinct orders that each have their own, uh, gifts. Uh, to bring and to share and and we believe as baptists we have our own we're not trying to um, downplay that or or to try to just simply mimic other traditions uh we believe in baptist distinctives and and uh and and just sort of the the distinctive contributions to the church's faith and life that that we ourselves bring to the table but we also want to learn and have a spirit of openness to learn and incorporate the gifts of others
1: I want to come back to that, I'll use that phrase, that spirit of openness, and ask you about that, and I think we can have a good discussion about that, but I want to let our listeners know, uh, to learn more about this, centerforbaptistrenewal.com. Again, that's centerforbaptistrenewal.com, and and you'll find uh, the link in the show description as well, but um, eager for people to learn more about what you're doing, and, and I couldn't help but smile as you were sharing, Luke, because it, it sounds like two guys from California started mm-hmm. thinking historically and again, you're putting things together that don't always go together. Baptist, catholicity, uh, California, historic, and yet you're. you're not, I don't know where Matt's from. Maybe he's yeah. from California, but yeah. you're no, from we're, Alabama. We're
2: actually both originally from Alabama. Both okay. went to Auburn. We were actually at Auburn the same time. We just didn't know each other, but we met in sunny Southern California, yep. and uh, went to a Baptist church there that did incorporate some of the things that uh, that we talk about. You know, so we went to a church there. Uh, in riverside that you know says the apostles Creed and um observes the lord's Supper weekly and uh is is you know more what we might call more liturgical in its structure and so yeah it, it, it was uh, an interesting context for something like that to, to to take take shape
1: there's some good things that can come out of california not not all things that come out of <laughs> california are bad i think this renewal movement is a good thing to to be birthed in California well luke i want to ask you how I think it was 2017 when, when you, this came together?
2: Uh, somewhere right. around there. Yeah. The okay. years, the years run together, but yeah.
1: No, well, you're too young to have the years <laughs> running together like that, but okay. Uh, but I, I want to, so far, how has your work been received, uh, particularly in our SBC milieu? Has um, it been received with, uh, you know, open arms or has there been suspicion? Little of both. Tell me yeah. about that.
2: Yeah. You know, one of our, um, mentors and inspiration in this work, Timothy George, um, a few years after we started asked us the same question, uh, almost, almost with like, uh, a, an expectation of, of a negative response, you know, like, have you gotten in trouble yet uh, right. over some of this? Uh, and, and, and perhaps it's because we're, you know, we, we're, we we do not have any, uh, you know, delusions that we're, um, making a splash anywhere you know I mean, we may have sort of been flying under the radar in some ways so maybe that that could be one reason why we have it but we really we we, we have you know we we i guess we've we've had some who sort of raise their eyebrows a bit and uh you know say why why um why do you feel the need to uh emphasize others tradition why shouldn't we first begin with our own and um and our you know what's distinct about baptist worship and and so on um you know we've heard those kinds of uh pushbacks from from friendly critics so uh, you know we don't take that as as a you know some kind of devastating uh critique of our work but i mean there there are questions that people have when you use uh catholic what do you mean by that you know and as i alluded to that earlier of course we we don't mean roman catholic uh we, we mean the older sense of as I said earlier, little C Catholic, the uh, the universal church, the mm-hmm. church throughout the whole world. I think that's what the word re- uh, literally means. It's, in the and, way the
1: Apostles' Creed yeah, uses
2: it, exactly. One one of the four attributes of the church in the in the Nicene in the Apostles' Creed, uh, one holy, Catholic, and Apostolic Church. So we mean it in that older sense of the universal church across space and time. And you know, we we also use language like sacrament, sacramental, um, which as we try to demonstrate in our um, various works, uh, has precedent in the, in, in the Baptist tradition, many of the earliest Baptists, uh, you know, use the word sacrament, uh, uh, conceived of baptism and the Lord's supper as means of grace, uh, in similar ways to other, uh, separatists at the time. I think Michael, uh, recently published a book on this, uh, uh, em- emphasizing the sacramental view of the earliest Baptists. And so, um, yeah, so we have to clarify terms and explain what we mean, what we don't mean, uh, I think some people wonder, um, sometimes I think people have wondered, like, are you, are you just sort of playing Anglican,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: Uh, and, and, you know, we, we're, we're quick to say no, like we really are, uh, capital B Baptists. Uh, we care about Baptist distinctives, the Baptist understanding of the church, even Baptist spirituality, uh, as it's been shaped in an American context, even by, uh, the revivalistic traditions and evangelical traditions, and you know older Baptist practices like testimonies and and that sort of things. Like we we're not trying to displace any of our Baptist heritage, and just simply uh, you know mimic other traditions. We 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 want to learn from other traditions, but also appreciate what's distinctive about our own. But I would say the 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 most uh, I guess eager interest in uh, the work we're, we're doing. Uh, has been among younger Southern Baptists, not exclusively. Uh, I think there, uh, there are there have been several several exceptions to that. So I don't want to overstate that point. We, we we've we've received several emails over the years, uh, pretty regularly. We'll receive emails from older pastors who will say something to the effect of, um, "I have loved church history since I uh, went to seminary in the 1960s or 1970s, and have longed for." Uh, an expression of that kind of uh, appreciation for the tradition in Baptist circles and haven't found much support in it and really grateful for the work that we're doing. So uh, we, we, we have seen that as well. But I, I do think there's something generational going on here. And I think it's broader than the Southern Baptist Convention, broader than the Baptist movement. Uh, that There is something uh, generationally, uh, there's a generational um, longing for rootedness. I think in our in our sort of late modern, um, deeply fractured culture uh, in 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 the West, um, there's a longing for something that's stable and deep and sturdy and rooted. Uh, that that uh, that sort of expressions of Christianity that are merely cultural, that are sort of merely uh, uh, a part of the spirit of the age, uh, people find unsatisfying, dissatisfying. Um, and, and again, that, I think we're, we're we're we didn't create that uh, we're we're sort of um, just along for the ride on that. I think you can see those kinds of the kinds of renewal movements that we um, that we are interested in have been going on for 100 years. People in different traditions trying to say, let's let's uh, let's try to recover uh, uh, the, the, the riches of the past um, for the sake of our contemporary renewal.
1: Do you think, Luke? Do you think some of the, if there are fears out there, maybe fear is too strong a word. If there's concerns from some about uh, what we, and I would I would say we, because I would include Michael and I, in uh, an effort to retrieve and open eyes to so much of uh, the Christian tradition. so not just the Baptist tradition. Uh, but do you think the the concern on some is that if you take the the young generation even younger than you. I mean, you're a professor, you're working with college students and graduate students, I'm sure. But um, it's a concern you're going to open their eyes to some of these medieval and uh, theologians and the the church fathers. And we're going to uh, maybe unintentionally, one of the unintentional consequences of what you're doing will be to open the door for them to go back to Rome.
2: Mm.
0: I
1: mean, and I I don't think that's well-placed. I don't think that's founded, but could that be the concern? And what would yeah. you say to? What would you say
2: to? Yeah. that? yeah. I think that's 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 that could be part of it. And uh, another way of maybe saying that same thing is maybe if if you emphasize the tradition so much, do you lose sola scriptura? Mm. Um, which I think is a valid question, right? It's one that we uh, we we sort of need to ask. I think there's there has been over the last um, decade or so, I think a renewed emphasis on. Uh, The tradition in evangelical theology more broadly uh, on the creeds, the councils, you know, the more ancient expressions of doctrine. And um, and so the question becomes, is that are you sort of replacing the Bible with this uh, creedal language or with uh, the tradition? You know, if you're just always appealing to, uh, you know, section and paragraph of a church father, does that mean that you're going to stop citing chapter and verse in the apostles? Hmm. And I think, again, why that is a natural and, uh, and valid question to ask, uh, we're, we're convinced, you know, with um, Thomas Oden, the great Methodist uh, theologian who did, who did a, you know, a, a similar renewal work in his day, that the deeper you go in the tradition, the closer you get to the scriptures, right? Because the, a study of, uh, of church history is largely uh, a study of the history of exegesis of people interpreting the Bible. And of course the Bible retains its, uh, it's, its place, it's pride of place as the only written revelation of God, the only infallible inerrant word of God. So that all church fathers, all medieval scholastics, all reformers, all Baptist preachers and evangelists have to uh, bow to the ultimate authority of God in his Holy word. And so, uh, the tradition is revisable. It's not infallible. Uh, but it's also, the tradition is also time tested, um, that there are mistakes, there are missteps that we can make in interpretation. Um, and in the synthesis of scriptural truth in terms of Christian doctrine, there are missteps that we can, um, make because we've neglected to study, uh, how those in the past have already gone down those roads. And so I do think there's a, a legitimate uh, concern there. Um, but I don't think that um, the answer um, to that kind of fear of, of maybe if we expose people to the tradition, they might leave for another tradition. I actually think it, it runs the other way. <laughs> like like if, you, if you neglect or ignore the tradition as, a, as Baptist ministers and, and teachers, uh, that's actually what opens people to, once they discover it, thinking that the only possible avenue for them to appreciate, uh, you know, the church fathers or medieval scholastics or, or even the Protestant reformers is to seek out some other tradition. A, a big impetus behind what we're doing uh, is a desire to say you don't have to leave. Right. You don't have to leave. We, we, you know, I, I've I've leaned on, uh, you know, the words of the Apostle Paul. Uh, in First Corinthians, when he when he talks about, you know, what is Paul? What is Apollos? What is Cephas? They all belong to you, and you belong to Christ. And we could extend that to say, uh, Athanasius and Augustine, and Anselm and Aquinas and Calvin and Luther, uh, and also Charles Spurgeon and um, and and John Gill and Andrew Fuller and all the Baptist luminaries as well. All of these belong to us as Baptists, not just our own tradition, but all, um, true teachers of the word of God are, are those that we can learn from and, uh, seek to emulate.
1: I appreciate that Luke so much. And particularly the phrase, you don't have to leave. So you're kind of turning that argument just on its head and Mm -hmm. saying, actually we're, we're doing this so you can continue to embrace your Baptist distinctives, but be a part of, um, uh, the great tradition, which is another phrase you've, you picked, uh, uh, a ministry. Uh they you have to do a lot of defining of terms, don't you? Particularly with us. So we're dropping some terms here that our listeners may so we've you know from you've defined uh Catholic well, but great tradition. We've talked about that just in the last 20 minutes. Uh we seem to know what we're talking about. A lot of our listeners might wonder what is that great tradition? And maybe a way to answer that get you to to speak to a phrase you all use at the Center for Baptist Renewal. Uh originally coined, I think, by Timothy George, but it's retrieval for the sake of renewal. Mm. Uh, so immediately I, I think, well, what are we retrieving? And if it is something to do with the great tradition, maybe you could explain a little bit of what, yeah. what that is. What are we retrieving?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So retrieval uh, has sort of become a buzzword in some ways in theological circles, but in, in short, what it means is, is it's a study of the theological reflections of the past not as a way of um, sort of leaving them in the past, but bringing them into dialogue with contemporary theological formulation and application. So it's, it's seeing the past as dialogue partners with the present, which doesn't mean that we necessarily um, just simply reproduce what they said. Uh, so retrieval is not the same thing as repristination, just simply restating exactly what people have said in the past. Uh, We have to uh, build on what people have said in the past in order to express the faith and live it out faithfully in our own day. And so retrieval is just a way of describing that process of basically it's historical theology in the service of uh, contemporary systematic theology and pastoral and practical theology. Um, And the, the resources that we're drawing on um, have sometimes been uh, summarized under the rubric, the great tradition. Um, Another one of our, inspirations in this work, in addition to uh, Dr. Hagen and, and, and uh, Timothy George, who, who we already mentioned, but also David Dockery, uh, who, who uh, with Timothy George, has edited some books on the great tradition. Um, so by the great tradition, we simply mean, um, in large part, what Chris, what all Christians everywhere agree on. <laughs> you know, we, we might wonder, what, uh, is there any such list? Uh, Christians seem to disagree on so much. Uh, is there any uh, body of truth, body of doctrine that we could hang our hat on as as being truly Catholic, uh, expressive of the faith of of uh, all the church? And, you know, we find that summarized in the ancient creeds of the church uh, and in the ancient ecumenical councils of the church. Uh, so that as we reflect on the Trinity, the incarnation, the basic events of, of Christ's life, death, resurrection, ascension, second coming, um, and, and the ways that Christians in various sectors of the church have reflected on those things, we're tapping into the shared heritage, the shared patrimony of, of all Christians, including Baptists.
1: And it would seem, Luke, that the humility requires us to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be, it, it strikes me as so so much hubris to think that we couldn't learn something about the Trinity from Aquinas, mm. I mean, he might have something to teach us about our doctrine of
2: God. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the great things is that there's precedent for that in the Baptist tradition. Um, I've just been rereading uh, a work by Thomas Monk, who was a 17th century General Baptist um, who was one of the compilers of the Orthodox Creed, uh, which was a General Baptist statement of faith uh, in the 1670s. But he wrote a book called a cure for the cankering error of the new eutychians which is a great title Uh, (laughs) but he was responding to um some trinitarian and christological errors among the general baptists uh, in the 17th century Uh, and the book is chock full with a a, a bible i mean it's mostly bible right he's making the case from scripture but also in the in the text uh, it's littered with uh, quotations and references to early church fathers Irenaeus, Tertullian, Augustine, uh, and also to what he calls the schoolmen, uh, which would the scholastics, the medieval scholastics. Principal. This is a Baptist. This is a doing Baptist. This. Okay. This, yeah, this was the son of a farmer, general Baptist, who was who was uh, kept out of the university systems as a as a dissenter, uh, who somehow found his his in his hands the works of Augustine and. Aquinas and Calvin and the others, and is citing all of these guys favorably, uh, not as as authorities in themselves. Of course, the scriptures have that pride of place, but as helpful helpful guides to interpreting um, what the scriptures say. And so, and there are many other examples we could give. I mean, John Gill, as I I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier uh, in the 18th century, is also drawing on uh, Aquinas and and other luminaries in, in church history, not as a way of endorsing the entirety of their uh, theology? Of course not. I mean, of course they uh, they believed in Protestant distinctives and in Baptist distinctives, but they believed that you could incorporate what was true and right uh, in all of these theological voices from the past.
1: I think our listeners, Luke, are probably shocked, at, and I don't, well, I don't want to underestimate our listeners. I mean, maybe some are shocked that we would have Baptists uh, quoting favorably, uh, not Wholesale, favorably, but favorably where uh, the scriptures warranted it. uh, The church fathers and even medieval uh, uh, theologians. Because I think so many Baptists are conditioned by, full circle back to what Hatch is observing, in revolutionary era uh, Christianity in the United States. John Leland has become the quintessential Baptist. And... Phrases like the Bible alone and, and how dare we look you know, to history for anything and tradition right. and all of that reeks of Rome and why would we go there? Or maybe in our day, maybe you could speak to this. Have you been um, in dialogue with people that say, well, this is uh, an ecumenism that is dangerous or the minute you mentioned ecumenical, people might get a little squirmish, at least in, in our circles. Right. How do you address that?
2: Yeah, and sometimes for good reason, right? I mean, there are yeah. a lot of things fly under the banner of ecumenism. Uh, sometimes there's a, a least common denominator, ecumenism, that tries to paper over uh, important differences and that kind of thing. Um, but there, I think there is a, a healthy kind of ecumenism. I mean, the word ecumenical is another word that, uh, you know, I think deserves some rehabilitation. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we talk about the ecumenical creeds and councils. Mm-hmm. All ecumenical means is worldwide, you know, all, all Christians. Um, and I think we have to recognize in humility that the church is bigger than us. Um, and so ecumenical, I think, just is just a, a way of recognizing that, a way of recognizing that we have uh, much to learn um, from from other other traditions. Even if we have strong disagreements that remain uh, that, that, that aren't able to, to be reconciled quite yet, uh, we still have much to learn.
1: So good. Well, Luke, I want to uh, talk to you, ask a question with you putting on your professor hat as you have this whole time. But now, in the classroom working with eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one year old young people that are hanging on every word you're saying, uh, they're listening to historical theology being lectured on and and they're so taken up by it. And maybe you introducing them to theologians that they never thought to consider. I'm going to assume for the sake of argument, they come from a more traditional Baptist background. Uh, What do you say to students just to guide them safely? Because again, as professors, as pastors, elders, we want to guide our people safely into particular waters. Um, What are some things you encourage them with? And some things you say, now, beware of this. What what do you do there?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... Especially if, if I'm teaching the, theology, thinking about theological method, um, you know, I, I think we have to have a strong uh, doctrine of scripture um, in place that that sees the scriptures as the, the word of God in, in holy scripture standing over all of us, me included. Right. Um, so that we. Um, We're answering to to a higher authority, and so was Irenaeus, and so was Athanasius, and so was Cyril, and so on. Right, so that uh, the ultimate authority is Scripture, and you have that in place, then you can talk about the role of tradition. And uh, tradition, I think, is inevitably a role has a role to play in the theological task, even among those who um, who would deny it. (laughs) You know, there there is this famous slogan: "No creed but the Bible." uh actually was coined by alexander campbell but it did get taken up by uh some baptists in in uh the 19th century uh in america and leland was already hinting at that too wasn't he in the, oh yeah in the quote that you mentioned earlier um and so there it's part of this american americanization this democratization of of christianity that takes place in america not just among the baptists of course Hatch's is, is, his his critique is wider than the baptists um but you know it, it's it's true enough that 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 no creed but the bible uh emphasis has taken root here but from the beginning it was not so <laughs> that's what i like to tell my students if you go back to the earliest baptists uh if you go back to the earliest baptists before uh the uh the early republic um uh in in the 17th century in both england and america uh you you have a stronger sense of rootedness in tradition um, Uh, Again, not as a as a rival to Scripture, right? So, I often quote uh, this distinction by uh, the Reformation era historian Heiko Obermann, who makes a distinction between Tradition One and Tradition Two. Um, I'm pretty sure I learned that at Southern Seminary from someone, Um, but uh, you know,
1: Doctor Puckett, probably maybe. maybe. I don't know.
2: Um, But the um, Tradition One, uh, as as Obermann describes it. Uh, sees the tradition as a guide to interpreting the Bible. The Bible is seen as the sole written revelation of God, but the tradition is an exegetical guide. It helps you understand um, what the faithful have seen in Scripture down through the centuries. Tradition two, which developed um, in the early church, but also especially is, is systematized in medieval the medieval Catholic understanding of tradition, sees the tradition as a second source alongside the Bible, so that scripture and tradition, when interpreted by the church, uh, constitute divine revelation. And it's that sense of tradition that the Protestant reformers were obviously keen to reject, right, the idea that the tradition was somehow on par with the scriptures. But the Protestant reformers themselves and their heirs, including the Baptists, did not cast out tradition in toto. They did believe that tradition served a role uh, as a as a, as a fallible but still authoritative guide to interpreting and synthesizing the scriptures, and so just helping people see that that's not alien to our own tradition, uh, that you can hold a high view of sola scriptura uh, alongside Luther and Calvin, uh, hold a, a high view of sola scriptura, but also like they recognize that the church fathers got a lot of things right um, that we have in the in this tradition, one sense, uh, a kind of consensus of how the spirit has been illuminating the minds of believers to see the truth of scripture from the beginning.
1: Luke, I appreciate this so much. Uh, Sola Scriptura as the safe guide into Mm -hmm. the tradition. I mean, I love the way you put that and uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And I hope you can come back and we'll bring Matt with you. Hopefully Matt can join us and I'll have Michael. And so yeah. four of us can have a, a continued conversation on our shared burden for renewal in our time. I want to remind our listeners, the Center for Baptist Renewal. So centerforbaptistrenewal.com. to check it out and, uh, and learn and grow uh, with you, Dr. Stamps, and the others that are trying to see renewal in our time. Again, thanks
0: so much for being with us. Beads podcast is in partnership with h and Publishing of a formed and Canadian publishing house seeking to spread the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through the publication of Church History, Biblical Spirituality, Christian Living, and Theology. Join us next time as we seek to see what God has done in the history of His people.